traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, he's already out. He is already out of jail. Did you guys see that video of a really nasty guy, just terrible criminal, uh, beating up two cops? I mean, really, you know, it's an even match for a while, but then this guy gets the advantage, puts one of the cops in a chokehold, and this guy gets arrested, appropriately so, beat up two cops. Now, why was he engaged with the cops in the first place? He jumped the turnstile. There may have been a couple of other uh, factors. You know, that's still against the law. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, And they try to arrest the guy, and he freaks out, and he beats up the cops, and... Somehow he's already out of jail. Now, this is very, very disturbing stuff. you got to look at this thing. I mean, and you get the sense that this guy has no respect for the – he has no respect. He's punching him. But also that the entire moment, the law enforcement in this guy's eyes, like, you can't pull this stuff with me anymore. I've got the upper hand morally. He's already out of jail. He was in jail for, what, three hours? That is really, I mean, I've heard of it. You know about the bail reform nonsense. You know it. But when you see a high-profile episode like this and you know that guy is already out. Now, man, that's one of the reasons why I don't ride the subway anymore. Um, I know not everybody can skip the subway. Fortunately, I can and I do. It's a combination of uh, I can handle it financially. I can also walk. A lot of folks can't. They got to take that damn subway, which is this is going to ruin the city if we let this go on for much longer. There are subway systems, transportation systems throughout the country. And guess what? Middle class people, upper middle class people, they don't ride the subway. They don't take the train. Only poor people do that. <laughs> and they, they say it rather scornfully. Places like Los Angeles, Atlanta, Philadelphia. One of the beautiful things about New York, one of the things that made us different, one of the things that for decades we had relative racial harmony here. Actually, not relative. We had racial harmony in this city. We did for a long time. And then it's been thrown out the window for Democrats. They don't want these Republicans ever gaining power again. They created a racial problem where there was none. And now we actually have one. And now if you have the means, you're not riding that subway not for a status thing, but for a safety thing. And again, you know, you could be a billionaire down there. You could be uh, on welfare. It didn't matter. Everybody rode the subway. And now it's, um, yeah, it's like it's like Atlanta. It's like Philadelphia. And we are being driven apart by forces that actually are pretty understandable. They're not that mysterious. They're doing it for their own cynical um, grabs at power. You know who the worst is? Uh, I cannot get over this woman, that she is 
now a hero of the fake news, and everywhere she goes, her name is Cheney. Her name should be Mud Cheney. Invasions of the wrong country. You heard me talk about that yesterday. I'm never going to get over that. I'm never going to get over that the America invaded the wrong country, killed a lot of people, a lot of innocent people. And also, by the way, we lost a lot of soldiers, a lot of Marines for no good reason. And Liz Cheney now, daughter of Dick, wagging her finger at anybody who gets out of line. Listen to this. What the hell country do you think she lives in? It's still America, right? This is still America, ma'am. You get that, Liz? Cut 35. The normal uh, sort of vitriolic, toxic partisanship has got to stop. And we we have to recognize what's at stake. And uh, individuals like those who uh, are running the Republican conference, who are the leadership of the Republicans in the House, need to be held accountable for their actions. Um, and they need to understand how serious the situation is. What the situation is now, what is she talking about? She's talking about people uh, making fun of Cassidy Hutchinson on Twitter. People taking shots at uh, some staffer you never heard of. Well, they're making themselves heard by coming forward with very dubious stories. I heard Tony say this about that. Cut 34, please. Listen. If there is something substantive um, on on either side that, that oh, wait, Congress stop, needs stop, to be looking stop, at. Stop, 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 stop. Let me set this up, actually. Forgive me. All right. So she's on the Brett Bear show. And Brett lets her get away with murder. And finally, he says, OK, let me let me see if he'll she'll say something about Joe Biden. And we all know that Joe Biden is uh, probably in pretty deep with the Chinese. Why do you think we're giving the damn country away to the Chinese? So this comes up. Cut 33. Do you share the concerns of some of your colleagues and others in the Republican Party about the Biden family's dealings in China, the flow of money from the Beijing government linked officials to the Bidens? Yeah, I certainly uh, think that it's it is uh, it could be of concern. Um, I think that, that, you know, it's not something that I have um, looked at the details of. I've certainly seen the news reports of it. OK, she really can't bother with any of that stuff because she's, you know, She's got January 6th on her hands, but she's just been asked about money going from China to the Bidens. It's potentially concerning, but not concerning right now. All right, that's the question. Listen to what she does. Here's the pivot. Cut 34. If there is something substantive um, on on either side that, that Congress needs to be looking at, we should certainly do that. Uh, and And I think that that has to be guided by substance. Uh, and not not by political attack. I mean, I was really disgusted, mm-hmm. frankly, on Thursday night when even before Sarah Matthews began testifying, the House Republicans put out a tweet attacking her that they then had to take down. She's a staffer. She works for the House Republicans, for a House Republican. Mm-hmm. That kind of just launching of vitriolic partisan attacks is really dangerous for the country, given where we are today. How is it dangerous for the country? How is that dangerous? She says... Uh, making fun of whatever her name is, Kate Matthews. Who cares? She's coming forward with a possibly totally phony story, and she's doing it on national television. We're allowed to say things about that. We have elected representatives. I don't like what she's saying. I want them to hit back. I don't believe her. That's America, Liz Cheney. That's America. You, on the other hand, seem totally blithely unconcerned by Joe Biden potentially being bought by China. Isn't that amazing? 
What the hell difference does it make if she's a staffer, if she's unemployed, if she's a billionaire? I don't care. It's 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 the American way, quite frankly. We can let it rip when it comes to criticism. She's making dark noises here about sending people where to Gitmo. They did they doing they're doing this all the time. They're hiding behind these witnesses. They put somebody forward, like this guy, Sergeant Mark Robinson. Sergeant Mark Robinson. Now, who the hell is he? Uh, he was a guy who was there on January 6th. Where was he? Well, he was in the presidential motorcade that went from uh, the park in front of the White House to the White House. That's about a that's about a 45 second trip at most. Now, even for a 45 second trip, they've got like 50 vehicles. And this police sergeant is retired. He's no longer on duty. He's he's retired. He left the he left the force. Listen to this. Listen to where they say he is. Cut 36. The second witness is retired Sergeant Mark Robinson of the D.C. Police Department, who was assigned to the president's motorcade that day. He sat in the lead vehicle with a Secret Service agent responsible for the motorcade, also called the T.S. agent. Here's how Sergeant Robinson remembered the exchange. All right. Before we get to what Sergeant Robinson says here, and number one, who cares? He's in the lead vehicle. Did you hear that? Lead vehicle. Now, they're going to ask him about a rumor he may have heard from somebody else's walkie-talkie about what was going on inside the president's vehicle, in which there are at least three Secret Service agents, I believe. Why not ask one of them? They don't want to know from them. (laughs) Because one of them, at least we know, doesn't believe the story. We'll say the opposite. So they get this guy, Sergeant Mark Robinson, retired. I have no beef with him. He's just being used, misused. And one of the reasons why they picked him, I'm going to say it, they picked Sergeant Mark Robinson just like they pick all these witnesses for identity politics. There's something about Mark Robinson that they think will make him somehow immune to criticism or immune to immune to scrutiny. Can you guess what that might be? Take a guess. Let's listen to what he says very carefully and take a guess why they picked him to talk about something he has no firsthand knowledge of what was going on a dozen cars back he's in the lead vehicle <laughs> he's no longer a police officer he's not in the secret service why would they pick him cut 37 let's listen was there any description of what of what was occurring in the car no only that on the only description i received was that the president was upset and that was adamant about going to the Capitol, and there was a a heated discussion about that. All right, so why do you think they picked him? He didn't know anything. He heard somebody say that there was a debate, there was a discussion, a heated discussion. He's 30 cars away. Why do they pick him? Here's the answer, because he's black. That's why they picked him, just like they picked Cassidy Hutchinson. Why? Because she's a pretty 20-something female. That's how they're rolling. Now, here's a guy named, because uh, they have, you have an identity to cover all your flanks, all your bases. Now, here's Matthew Pottinger. Matthew Pottinger, why did they pick him to speak? He's a deputy national security advisor. And he's weighing in his opinion about how January 6th should have gone and what the Constitution means. He's Matthew Pottinger, security staffer. What the hell does he, his opinion count about history? Here he is going on and on about history. Cut 38. This isn't the first time that we've had a close election. 
in, in this country. For example, you've got Vice President uh, Richard Nixon back in 1960 had lost a hard-fought election against Senator John F. Kennedy. Um, uh, there, there were irregularities in that vote. Vice President Al Gore, who faced a very similar dilemma, um, he strongly disagreed with the Supreme Court decision that uh, lost his election bid and uh, allowed President George W. Bush to take office. Uh, thanks a lot, Matt Pottinger. I can look that up in Wikipedia as well. We know all that stuff. So why do they pick him? Why him? Well, there is something about him. Uh, okay, he's a guy who works at the White House, so they can't just go with Sergeant Mark Robinson, who's 30 cars away. He works in the White House, and also this. He happens to be a veteran of the Marine Corps. Ooh, you can't, you cannot question the integrity of a, of a Marine. How dare you? How dare, and there are a lot of people who will be reluctant to do so. A lot of people. Just like these days, you say the wrong thing, um, and it's a person of color, and uh, somebody wants to make a big deal out of it. I'm not saying Mark Robinson himself, but Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, oh yeah. Why are they picking these ran- these basically random people that you never heard of to come up and tell you things that they think, to tell you their opinion, and to tell you things that they heard. Well, shows you, number one, they don't have any direct evidence of anything, and just how cunning they are. Want to be cunning, because I can see right through this. This is not really... and it, But it does work with some people. It does work. They're just not going to... Uh, they're just not going to challenge them. Oh, I can't say anything. That's a... That's a that's a beautiful young woman. I can't say anything. Oh, that's a that's a law enforcement officer, and he's black. I can't say anything. Oh, Matthew Pottinger, he served in the Marines. I can't say anything. Shut up. This is a free country. You can say whatever you want. You got that, Adam? Cut 39. Don Jr. and Sean Hannity were not the only ones who implored Mr. Meadows to get the president to speak to the nation and tell the mob to leave, to go home. Go home. Throughout the attack, Mr. Meadows received texts from Republican members of Congress, from current and former Trump administration officials, from media personalities, and from friends. Media personalities, friends. Gosh, what about the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff? Where the hell was that guy? Huh? He's a traitor. Absolute traitor. To his uniform, to the Constitution. This, that's the guy who was waging a coup. What about the Secretary of Defense? What about the mayor of D.C.? What about the Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, Senator Schumer? None of them called. Why didn't they call? Because they they have the situation under control. Did they want it to get out of control? These are the questions I want answered. It doesn't matter if friends of the president called the president. That's what they do. It's just total sham. They're trying to shake your confidence. Don't let it work. Everything's going to be fine. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I'm getting calls from all over the country about what I did on the Newsmax show last night. I'm very proud of it, actually. There is a swamp book out right now uh, by Mark Leibovich, who used to write for the New York Times. Now he writes for The Atlantic. And I caught him in all kinds of, um, hmm, what's the word? Lies. (laughs) Outright lies. He he's a liar. He's a total and complete liar. Let me see if I can uh, give you an example. Um, all right. First, let me. I want you to listen to this. This is from 2016. This is 
a few moments after Donald Trump actually won the election. Okay, he's uh, he's very happy. Of course, he won the election. He's uh, he's thanking people. He's speaking from the the ballroom in the Hilton Hotel, and everything is going great. He feels fantastic, as he should. Okay. So um, let me hear that moment. Uh, cut. For, oh, he wants to thank somebody. He thanks Reince Priebus, who was the RNC chair, and he did a he did a lot of things. And uh, watch this or listen to this, please. It's Reince is really a star, and he is the hardest working guy. And in a certain way, I did this. Reince, come up here. Where is Reince? Get over here, Reince. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's about time you did this right. Huh? My God. Say a few words. Ah, come on. Say something. Ladies and gentlemen, the next president of the United States, Donald Trump. Thank you. It's been an honor. God bless. Thank God. Amazing guy. So what is amazing about that moment, I remember I remember it well. I remember where I was. I thought, man, oh, man, what a great moment for this guy, Reince Priebus, who, you know, I was kind of intrigued by. He's from Wisconsin. He's younger than I am. Here he is managing a presidential campaign, and uh, he wins. Or actually, he was RNC chief. He did a lot to help President Trump. And um, this is how this guy writes about it, uh, Leibovich. Uh, Let's see. Trump thanked his family, friends, and biggest supporters, blah, 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 blah. Trump was fully inflated. Even bigger than he was before, Trump singled out Reince Priebus, who was standing in the lineup of VIP supporters. Trump gave special deference to the party chair, and deservedly so. Trump ordered Priebus up to the microphone. Reince shook his head, but Trump insisted, and Priebus did as he was told. This was classic Trump, a bizarre, spontaneous gesture that carried the added benefit of debasing somebody. How the hell did this debase Reince Priebus? It was awesome to be, <laughs> you got the president-elect of the United States and the first one he thanks, the first one he he shares the podium with. Now listen, after Priebus arrived at the lectern, Trump added a final humiliating touch and made him speak. Say a few words, Reince. Priebus's eyes bulged as Trump shoved him to the microphone. Now none of that happened. It didn't happen. He wasn't shoved to the microphone, and, and Priebus's eyes did not bulge. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the next president of the United States, Priebus managed to say, thank you, it's been an honor, he added. His words were mildly slurred, <laughs> implying that he was drinking. No doubt he was pouring Baileys into more than just his cereal at this point. Priebus coughed out a few garbled God blesses and thank gods before fleeing the mic as if it were in flames. Wow. Now, can I hear, I want to hear his voice, actually. Let's cut to the part. Cut 50. Does he sound drunk? And you can't see it. I'm telling you, his eyes aren't bulging out of his head. He's got a great big smile on his face. He is happy. He is, this is the crowning achievement of his life. And it's beautiful. Cut 50. Say a few words. Come on. Say something. Okay. Uh, well, let's play the longer one, then, if you cut that off already. Cut 49, please. Is really a star. And he is the hardest working guy. And in a certain way, I did this. Reince, come up here. Where is Reince? Get over here, Reince. 
This is humiliating and debasing, they say. It's about time you did this right. Huh? My God. Say a few words. Come on. Say something. Say something. Ladies and gentlemen, the next president of the United States, Donald Trump. Thank you. It's been an honor. God bless. Thank God. Amazing guy. That was a humiliating moment, according to the fake news. And a humiliation so debasing for the president-elect to thank the party chair. What are these people smoking? And you know what? They are smoking something. I am convinced that I think 70% of the fake news is totally high. They're on all kinds of drugs, especially marijuana. And marijuana will screw you up. Oh, boy, I know. I don't want to hear that crap. Don't call me about the medical marijuana that you think is helping somebody because I have nothing to say about that. If it is, great. But you know what? Now everybody has a prescription for, oh, it relieves my anxiety. Okay, well, everybody's got anxiety. A little bit of anxiety is actually a good thing. How the hell could he get it so wrong? He's either lying, that's probably what's happening here, or he's totally stoned. This crazy reporter. And by the way, he's misquoting everything. He's getting it all wrong from beginning to end. Uh, bad reporter, bad writer, bad guy, Mark Leibovich. Of course, the fake news is gobbling up his book and putting him on all the shows. My show is the one, though. Newsmax, 10 o'clock. Greg Kelly, I'll see you in a little bit. Uh, actually, in two minutes. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, Paul Sorvino is uh, dead, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Uh, 83 years old, uh, great actor. I, I love Goodfellas, of course. I also was taken aback. I was watching, uh, it was 1995. It was a terrible movie, Nixon by Oliver Stone, but he nailed it as uh, Henry Kissinger, played the Secretary of State slash National Security Advisor. Anyway, it got me thinking about Mira Sorvino, his daughter. I uh, met her once, very nice, very close to her father, uh, they they started a a food business together that did very well, and then I'm like, okay, well, what movies were you ever do that? You start googling movies, and it reminded me of a film called Beautiful Girls that um, starred Mira Servino and a bunch of other people, and actually Rosie O'Donnell is in the movie. And there's an interesting moment that I think is still um, applicable uh, to what we're going through today. Actually, even more so. Uh, so there's this uh, beautiful girl who shows up in town and all the guys go nuts. Um, and the guys are just making fools out of each other, out of themselves, trying to impress this beautiful girl. And then Rosie O'Donnell shows up and yells at them about their obsession with supermodels. And uh, he says, one of the guys says, well, look, beautiful girls, to me, it represents hope and promise. And she goes on and on about how, no, you guys don't get it. Uh, you have unrealistic expectations. Um, you've been kind of warped by seeing all these supermodels and pornography. And I think, I think she's right. And I think it still applies. It's gotten a lot worse. It's gotten a lot worse. And I think there's, you know, too many, too many single people out there, quite frankly. And I was one of them for a long time. And uh, something that I, they even point this out in the Bible, beauty is temporary. It really is. 
You fall in love with something when it's 24 years old, it's going to be different. It's going to be different at 34, 44, 54, you, you name it. It's going to change. It's um, it's a very silly to live all for the flesh, all for the flesh and blood. You know what has, well, I don't want to say I'm cured because, you know, human and all, but one thing that helps when I get too focused on the form just remember what we're going to look like uh, 10 years after we're dead. All right, this flesh, this, you know, we do all this, oh, my gosh, somebody looks so good. Oh, the body is so important. Just think about what everybody's going to look like after they're dead. Does that make uh, any sense or does it make people su- sad and uh, depressed? Vinny is in Rivervale, New Jersey. Yes. Hey, what's up, Greg? I just wanted to comment on the uh, marijuana poke you took at the Democrats. I think that was a great uh a great thing, but I just also want to say Semper Fi, I'm a Marine Corps veteran, six years as yourself. Um, I agree with the marijuana thing. Too many people are on it. I've had myself three back surgeries. I was injured when I was in. I'm on disability. I did my stint with painkillers, but I'll tell you something right now. I've been offered marijuana medically a, a hundred times, and all it does is make the country more stupid than these people already are on the left. Like like my friend Curtis Lee says, the dope from Park Slope, him and his marijuana, it's it's ridiculous. Everyone's on it. People I know are on it for no reason at all. And uh, I just wanted to say I, I agree with you 100%. Hey, Vinny, uh, when you were offered, by the way, uh, where were you based in the Marines? Can you tell us? I was everywhere. I was down in Lejeune, Pendleton. Quantico, and I uh, did my stint overseas a little bit. All right, so uh, you've been offered all this weed uh, to help with the pain. Do you oh, think they're they're like almost and they're they're throwing it, they're pushing it almost, right? Yes, and I don't want it. Interesting, you know. I, you know what? I have anxiety like everybody else, and you know what? You do what you got to do. You take walks. You meditate, whatever it is, work out, whatever whatever floats your boat. But you know, people don't need it, and they walk around. In this dumbski state, and it's it's ridiculous. It, all it does is just dumb you down and make you lazy. Yeah, and 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 I think it makes a lot of people paranoid, and it makes them just bad at whatever it is they're supposed to do. I am noticing so many folks everywhere I go. I'm seeing like things that should be should be better are just like like for instance books. I like to read books. I am seeing mistake after mistake after mistake. I'm seeing spelling mistakes in books. How many people did this oh, have yeah. to get through and I'm reading a mistake? It's just it's it will make you stupid. There was a great friend of mine. Uh I knew him 20 years ago. He was a great guy. Uh one of the best people I ever worked with. Fast forward 20 years, I meet him and we worked together for a while and he's been smoking pot his whole life and I'm like, "Man, oh man, totally different person." Uh, just totally uh, paranoid and weird, and it's. I think it was the pot. I think it was the pot. It does. It does the opposite. I've known people that have been on it since I'm in high school, and I'm 59 years old. I know it. It, it actually, yeah, it'll mellow you out in the beginning. But what happens is, it starts to make you paranoid. It makes people. Some people get schizophrenia from it. Yeah, I, it's. They have so many different strengths, and these kids are doing it now. All the kids are doing it now, and but, it, high school kids. Uh, middle school kids, it's pathetic. It's uh, bad news. It's bad news. And that's what our government, I think, wants us. They want, they want us high, and they want us checked out. Vinny, thanks for the call. Always good to hear from a Marine. Keep in touch. i got to go to, ooh, Sandra. 
daughter of the legendary B. Uh, hi, Sandra. Great to hear from you again. What's going on? Oh, great to hear from you. You are the best. I have, and I thank you for always taking my calls. But I have to tell you, last night your show was like, wow. I watched it twice, and I have <laughs> to say that um, no, it was really great. You know, you you spoke about Mark Leibovich, or and and how I liked how you showed actual moments in Trump's history to show how untrue and exaggerated his book is. So that was great how you did that, and then and then having Giuliani on and talking about Rocky II and how Trump has to make a comeback. What I want to ask you, Greg, is what approach do you think Trump needs to take? Giuliani said. He'll figure it out himself. He knows instinctively what to do. But I wanted to ask you what you think. Well, number one, thank you very much. I haven't heard that many times, but I have heard it. People watching the show twice. That is a huge compliment, Sandra. And I was particularly proud of last night's 10 p.m. Newsmax show. Thank you. So what I was thinking about uh, on when Donald Trump won the presidency, that speech that we were just playing a moment ago, when he won that night, he said something that has always stayed with me. He said, um, I pledge to be a president for all the people, all the people. Now, I do believe that he was, look, they were trying to trip him up. They were trying to sabotage him. He had a fight for survival. You know, it was at times hard to achieve greatness when you're just fighting for survival. I do believe he's a great president, will go down as such. But I actually have this sense that he could be the kind of president that wins 40 states, 45 states, 49 states. I know it sounds totally ludicrous right now, but I do think if he, at the right moment, engages in the right kind of rhetoric and language, and I know he has a big heart, he starts showing people that. I don't know. I think it could... Rocky II, I was talking about Rocky II, went from southpaw to right-handed. And it it totally, whoa, nobody saw that coming. And I feel like if he could be that president, I'm not, this is not a criticism. You know, again, they sabotaged him. They tried to. But at the last moment, he says, you know, <laughs> and I don't know what, I don't know what the, the key ingredient is. If he gives a nod to, I don't know, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what it has to be, but at the right time, I hope it comes to him. Does that make sense, Sandra? Yes, it does. It makes a lot of sense. And I and I, I, I wrote down Dale Carnegie, the book that he wrote, the 12-step program, Making Amends, the Bible that you see. There's a lot of tools, but I think, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, he's a, hey, that's a, he's a big positive mental attitude guy, Dale Carnegie. Who's the other one? The one who married him, actually, to uh, Ivana. Uh, Norman Vincent Peale. He is a great guy. All of the, what you, you are, what you think. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot to that. And, uh, Sandra, thank you so much. Hey, hold on. Let's see. Thank speaking you. of that speech, speaking of that speech, where did I have it here? That night, uh, Trump gives, okay. Yeah, this is where they say Trump is having a meltdown. Trump is in a trance and he's dazed because he can't believe he won. Now, listen to how he talks. Does this sound like a man who's in a daze? Cut 48. Thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. Sorry to keep you waiting. Complicated business. Complicated. It sounds like the same old Trump, by the way, in the best way. So uh, it's pretty wild to watch them lie in uh, in real time. 
hey, Lee Zeldin, we got to help. Lee Zeldin's running for governor, and we have this Kathy Hochul who's not speaking. You know what she's trying to do? She's just trying to coast. She just, if everybody stays high, if everybody stays checked out, if the politically active people stay totally, uh, they're, they're ripping their hair out over Roe v. Wade, she'll get in there. You can't be complacent. No way. And last night I showed video. I mean, this is the woman who was lieutenant governor and tolerated all of that violence during the summer of 2020 and beyond. This city has changed in every way. Look, I'm friendly with these guys, actually. Uh, Elliot Spitzer, you know what? He's a very charming, smart guy. He had to resign, of course. Who the hell knew? It was totally shocking having sex with prostitutes when he was governor. Patterson, great guy, probably at that moment. You know, look, one of the things nobody ever talked about, he's blind. And that that actually put him at a bit of a disadvantage. Uh, it really did, you know, in terms of, well, a lot of things. And Cuomo, we've had three Democrats essentially in a row crash and burn, crash and burn. Maybe, maybe it's time to try something else. Hmm? Right? Would that be so bad? Now, somebody was saying yesterday that all Zeldin needs would be 30% of New York City's vote. 30% of New York City's vote, and he can win this thing. Uh, because there's enough upstate support, Long Island support. Wouldn't that be great? I am pretty damn sick of Democrat rule. When's the last time we had a Republican governor? George Pataki. When the hell was that? When did he leave? 2005 or something? A long, long, long time ago. Uh, Kathy Hochul is not a leader. You can totally tell she's a bit of a ditz, doesn't know what's going on, uh, not decisive, will not use the authority and the power that is actually, you know, vested in the governor's office, just won't do it. Doesn't have a clue. They haven't told her yet what to do. They haven't told her what to do. Uh, Tony is in Trumbull, Connecticut. Yes. Hello. This is Tony. Yes, Tony. Hello. All right, Tony. I'm going to get back to you on that, okay? Hold on a second. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Well, take it away. What's up? Look, I'm 90 years old. Uh Uh-huh. And this is what I observed being alive that long. In 1950, the CIA went into Iran and screwed that country up. Thousands were killed. Later, they went into Indonesia. They overthrew that government and killed millions of people in there. Then the CIA went into Chile. They killed that goddamn president. Hey, all right, calm down with the language, but all right. Uh, hey, I, I, you know, look, it's a dangerous, complicated world. Sometimes we got to do things. All right. I'm a, I'm no babe in the woods when it comes to this stuff. Uh, you know, we were involved in a cold war and it was about stopping Russian influence, Soviet influence. That was a real thing. It was a real concern. You know, did did thousands of people die? Yes. Could millions of people died instead? Yes. In fact, in Cambodia, millions of people did die. I don't know. Where are you going with this, Tony? Well, also, I want to say that the CIA would probably win it to Iran and started that goddamn mess. All right. Uh, well, I understand. Why? Well, I understand why. All right. So, what is that? Where? That's ancient history. Now, where are we today? What's going on today? Tell me about today. Well, I, my my observation is that 
any Republican that runs for president is going to lose because the only one they're going to put in the Democrat is uh, Obama. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Michelle. Marley, not Marley. Michelle. Michelle. They're going to run, her for, uh, run for president. And if she runs for president, she's going to be, she'll beat all the Republicans. Why do you? Well, I mean, if it's rigged, maybe. If it's not rigged. I'm not giving up yet, Tony. I got I got a few more decades left. Hopefully, I mean I know you're uh, 92, but uh, we got to have a bit more hope than that. Be a bit more optimistic. I do agree. There's a real chance that Michelle Obama will run. Uh, don't quit yet, okay, Tony? Come on. I'm not. I'm not going to be around that long. Well, that's the thing. I am. I don't want you to be. You know, the rest of us. <laughs> you just tell it it's going to be Michelle, and that's it. We're all screwed. You'll be, you're the lucky one. You'll be dead. Show is show is interesting. All I right, enjoy it. That's what keeps me alive so far. Ah, oh, Tony. All right. Well, hey, let me ask you this though. Uh, Ninety two. Other than depressing political predictions, tell us something you tell us something you learned from life that could help us. Well, I tell you, life. I, I've been lucky all my life. I have no pain, no nothing, but I just go too goddamn old. And uh, all right, well, hang yeah, in there. You gotta, what you gotta love? You gotta love people. Let me tell you, I have a business. The business is still going. When I was twenty twenty five years old, I hired a kid that was seventeen years old from Portugal from the farms. Uh huh. That kid was God sent to me. He's the smartest, nicest. All right, you hired well. Is he still around? Does he still run the company? He's only 85. He retired already. He was there 60 years. All right, what kind of business was this? Are you a billionaire? Once in a while. What kind of business? I'll tell you one thing. I've been lucky. God bless All right, God bless, Tony. I was born in this country. Yes, yes. And let's, uh, let's have a little faith in the future, okay? Well, All right. Take care, Tony. Thank you, pal. Um, uh, call back. I'd like to know more about what you did over the years. Is it time? It's time. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Thank you, Tony. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, you got to keep your temper in check these days. You know, thinking about my time in the military. I can't tell. I mean, people yelled at me all the time. I mean, you got yelled at. It was uh, from boot camp on, you know. That's how you you couldn't quit. You couldn't just walk out the door, and you had to get the job done. It wasn't optional. And sometimes uh, some people, including me, needed a little extra motivation. And sometimes I got to provide a little extra motivation. And then people look at me like, oh, my God, I can't believe you talked to so-and-so like such-and-such. I'm like, what did I do? I just talked to them. No, you were, you were so forceful. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well... Um, if I give you too hard a time, remember this. Uh, I was in the military. I was in the Marine Corps. We spoke to each other differently. I was, I guess I was in long enough to really change my personality or to really create a person. I know we're not in the military anymore, but, uh, what can I say? You don't have to thank me for my service, but you can cut me a little slack if I get a little bit uh, hot under the collar. You know, you, um... All right. Fair enough. Come on. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. I'm not in boot camp anymore, but uh, still, still. Uh, da, 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 all right. 
do me a favor. Uh, is anybody a little bit suspicious about this guy, this bishop who was robbed on Sunday, cut 45? What you about to go through? Yo, yo. All right, right, right. All right, right. Yo, all right, all right. It's him in church, and the minister now is on the floor as gunmen come in, mass gunmen. Nobody move. Taking all of his jewelry. Nobody move. Did you hear that? And then they get the hell out of there. Uh, number one, this guy, uh, Lamore Whitehead, what's he doing with a $400,000 necklace? Uh, how is it? He's 38 years old, right? He has a Rolls Royce, and he's a member of the clergy? That doesn't seem right. I am sorry. No way. Uh-uh. I know. Tithing. 10%, right? Uh, you give to the poor or something. You don't buy yourself a Rolls Royce. Is it true that that guy has a Rolls Royce? I hope that's fake news. That's got to be fake news. But apparently he did have hundreds of thousands of dollars in jewelry. Now, I can understand in a church, you know, the chalice can be worth a lot of money in a Catholic church. But looking at that um, uh, chamber, it it really looked like somebody's basement, quite frankly. So whatever they're buying, they're not decorating the place. Um, keep your eye on that story. We'll see what happens. Hey, President Trump will be back in Washington, D.C. today for the first time since January 20th of 2021. He's speaking at the America First Policy Institute. Oh, and this weekend, who knows anything about golf? They're going to have the Saudi Arabia League in Bedminster. I am totally fine with that. I really am. I think it's, number one, I'm not much of a golfer. Uh, PGA, uh, LGA, I don't really care. Golfing, I know people are fanatical about it, and that's great. I The PGA, if my sense is, it's gone a little bit woke. Uh, like everybody else, uh, something tells me the Saudi League ain't that woke. And I keep hearing about all these, uh, well, what about the human rights abuses? What about this? What about that? Well, a couple of things about that. Now, number one, you got to understand this. Saudi Arabia, the government of Saudi Arabia, generally speaking, they are very friendly to U.S. interests. Okay? They are a friend of ours. We are friends. People say, well, wait a second. Uh, the 9-11, uh, they, they help with 9-11. No, they did not. They did not help with 9-11. Yes, the hijackers, most of them were from Saudi Arabia. We got criminals here, too. We got terror. It does not mean that they were the government helped those guys. Uh, as a matter of fact, Saudi Arabia hated bin Laden. That's one of the reasons why he was uh, in Afghanistan, because Saudi Arabia essentially kicked him out. They kicked him out first. He was in Sudan, and then he was in Afghanistan. He comes from a very rich family. So Saudi Arabia... Okay, do they cut people's heads off for uh, very petty offenses? Yes. Do I like that? No, not at all. Do I like their oil? Yes. Uh, Do I want their oil? Yes. Do I want them to stop cutting people's heads off? Yes. Other cultures are different from ours. I mean, I don't know. Do we shut down and not operate with any country that offends us in any way? You know, we we could. Maybe we should start with China. China is engaged in damn near genocide of an ethnic group called the Uyghurs. Have you heard of them? Uh, they're not. I don't, I don't know too much about their their history, but they're 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 in Western China. 
they're Muslim, and they're always being persecuted by the Chinese government and sometimes being tortured and killed. I know that 80% of the crap I'm wearing right now is from China. I don't like it. I wish we had a manufacturing base here in America still. Maybe we should. Hey, you know what? It would be great if we had a president to address that. Somebody like Trump. (laughs) Somebody like Trump, not somebody who would sell out to the Chinese like Biden. And he did. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, One hour to go before Donald Trump speaks. Man, the women on Fox News, they keep getting younger and younger and, forgive me, hotter and hotter. Is this necessary? Is this necessary? Do people care? I think that it doesn't matter, actually, what people look like. It matters what they have to say, who they are, what they bring to the table. And, you know, I'm sorry, but with Instagram, uh, you know, they, they used to call Fox News like a dirty little pleasure, you know, or a secret little pleasure. You turn it on and you see all those hot women and whatever. I don't think people look to Fox News for that anymore. If you really get off on that stuff, you can look at Instagram or all kinds of other, you know, it's just there's not a premium on that stuff anymore. And. I, I wonder, I wonder, I mean, maybe this reporter I just saw is the best reporter ever. At 24 years old, uh, she's uh, already doing all this international reporting. Or maybe she just really impressed somebody. Who knows? Uh, I won't mention any names because um, I need more information. Meanwhile, I am thoroughly prepared to render a judgment on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a, comp- a very unserious person. She's very, very unserious. Um, and everybody is catching on. There's a great piece in today's New York Post by David Marcus. Um, uh, listen to this. Uh, she won't meet with her health care experts. She won't meet with union organizers. She kills jobs in her community. And um, let's see. She plays the victim. AOC wouldn't even sit down with local leaders and politicians. This has to leave her constituents and all New Yorkers asking of Ocasio-Cortez, what exactly would you say you do around here? The answer, nothing. AOC, you see, is a figure of national prominence, an avatar of a far left. She can't be bothered with the minutia of everyday lives and practical policies. She has a brand to build, galas to attend, invisible handcuffs to pretend to be locked in, or, as the aspiring doctor who kicked off the kerfuffle put it, so while she's doing performative resistance art for the cameras, she's not doing health care right now. Um, we should forgive conservatives and maybe some moderate Democrats who may be enjoying a supersized portion of schadenfraude, excuse me, over this progressive infighting. After all, we've been pointing out that AOC is all performance art for some time. It's heartening to see the progressives are catching on. Yes, she's getting more uh, feedback from the left, and they don't like her. She's at war with some state senator, uh, one of those uh, even even further left than her. Is that possible? AOC, bad news. Here's somebody, actually, bad news. I won't say that, but... Chris Christie has been out for Chris Christie for a long time. Uh, my beef with Chris Christie, uh, the whole bullying routine that he pulled as governor, you know, I'm the governor. Like, shut up. What are you? The way he said it was like, I'm the emperor. I'm the you're the governor. That means you work for the people. You know, he walked around like like an entitled emperor. There was that. Uh, I also to this day, look, 
Mitt Romney was no great shakes. Of course he wasn't. But when Chris Christie, three days before the election, spent all that time and hugged Obama and purposely blew off Mitt Romney, just said, I don't need to see that guy. I have no interest. Well, he was a couple of days away from potentially being the president-elect of the United States, and Chris Christie went out of his way to insult him. This guy is out for himself. Now, every now and then, though, let's see, he actually, I do watch him on the Sunday show. He has some interesting observations. Uh, a lot of them are self-serving, but and I don't think he'll ever be president. I don't think he'll ever be the nominee. We can't trust this guy. But when he critiques Democrats, he uh, sometimes is spot on. Cut 11, Chris Christie from the Sunday show on ABC. Cut 11. When 64% of your own party says a year and a half into your presidency, thanks but no thanks, um, that does reflect, I agree with you, the frustrations of Democrats, some because they don't think he's done enough, and some because they think he's done too much. Joe Biden is in no man's land. That's an awful place to be as, a, as, a, as an office holder when you don't have anybody. Mm. Uh, yesterday as well, if you guys don't mind, he was yelling and screaming about Trump. I heard all the fake news saying, oh, this is very unusual. He never speaks about Trump. He talks about Trump all the time. And he's trying this new line out. I'll go into more detail tonight. But if you are pro-insurrection, then you can't be pro-law enforcement. If you are uh, pro-insurrectionist, you can't be pro-democracy. Well, I don't accept. In fact, I totally reject that January 6th was an insurrection. No, it was a protest that got out of hand. In large part because Democrats wanted it to get out of hand. There was no security because they thought, hey, if these guys get inside, we can blame it all on Trump. And I want to know why and how Ashley Babbitt was actually killed. Because when they when it crossed the line between protest and riot to deadly incident, then I think they had all the ammunition they need to pretend that Donald Trump, uh, you know, is driving all this and uh, look at what he's done to America. I think they're responsible. I think the left is responsible. I think Nancy Pelosi is responsible. I think Mitch McConnell is responsible. I think Chuck Schumer is responsible. I think General Milley is responsible. Didn't pick up the phone to call the commander-in-chief. And all those people who did call. Who did call? Who did call? Nobody in any authority, crazily enough. It was just... Hey, Brian Kilmeade, he's watching the fake news like everybody else. He thought he had to, you know, good for him for trying to make a difference. But if the actual people in power weren't calling, what did somebody like Kilmeade, what what could he have done? Uh, Cut 40, please. Witnesses told us that on January 6th, President Trump sat in his usual spot at the head of the table facing a television hanging on the wall. We know from the employee that the TV was tuned to Fox News all afternoon. Here you can see Fox News on the TV showing coverage of the joint session that was airing that day at 125. All right. This is important. They keep saying that Donald Trump was watching TV, and by what he was seeing on TV, he should have picked up the phone and ordered more uh, law enforcement, National Guard, whatever, that he could have been calling the shots and that he could have called everybody off. Um, Number one, he already did call for peace. Cut 41. Know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. 
they never play that in all of those in all of those sessions. They never played that all of those silly hearings. Um, so here was a question for Liz Cheney when she was on the Brett Baer show on Sunday. I guess he's dying to take over the Fox News Sunday show from Chris Wallace. I mean, let's face it. They got a vacancy. They need a new uh, Chris Wallace, somebody who sucks up to the left, sucks up to the swamp. You know, all about getting that good table at Cafe uh, Di La Mano or whatever the hell it's called. And what's that? Uh, Georgetown. Uh, and this is the kind of thing you say. And the fake news swoons. You know, Brett Bear, he could say this on CNN, MSNBC or Fox and be the man. Although not the man of the people. <laughs> no way, because we know better. We do know better. Cut 42. Laying out all of these 187 minutes makes him look horrific. It really does. And it's it's for everybody to see. And the president's inaction and the vice president's action getting on the phone is very telling. Telling of what, Brett? Telling of what? Okay, you didn't mention this with Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney and her committee kept on talking about Fox News. The president was watching Fox News. Did Brett ever go back and watch the 187 minutes that Fox was broadcasting back then? Because it was pretty mild stuff. It was pretty ordinary stuff. It was a bunch of people walking around. We know what riots look like. We know what uh, mobs look like. And it wasn't that. On January 6th itself, this is important, on that day, what was Fox airing? What did they have access to? They didn't have access to all the cell phone video and the body cam video that came out months later from the cops. Some of it came out almost a year later. Didn't have any of that stuff. Hey, the fake news also made a big deal about Trump rehearsing his comments, rehearsing his speech, and people made fun of it. Number one, I thought it was fantastic. This is what you have to do if you're a communicator like Trump. So he's dropping phrases. He's adding words. This is January 7th, and, you know, he's going to acknowledge that he will be leaving office on the 20th, but he wants to do it in a certain way. So this is the pre-record rehearsal. Cut 43, please. Cut 43. Whenever you're ready, sir. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack yesterday. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. You do not represent our movement. You do not represent our country. And if you broke the law, can't say that. I'm not gonna, you, I already said you will pay. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defied the seat of dust. It's defiled, right? See, I can't see it very well. Okay, I'll, I'll do this. I'm going to do this. Let's go. But this election is now over. Congress has certified the results. I don't want to say the election's over. I just want to say Congress has certified the results without saying the election's over, okay? But Congress is certified. Now Congress is Yeah, right. Now Congress is I didn't say over, so let, let me see. Don't go to the paragraph before. Good for him for saying he doesn't want to say the election is over. Yeah, Congress may have certified. They can knock themselves out with certification. He's going to leave on the 20th. Okay. But does that mean all questions surrounding the election are answered? That the matter is over? No, it doesn't. In fact, every day almost, 
the president has proven right that this matter is wide open. The Wisconsin Supreme Court recently ruled that the ballot drop boxes are illegal, which makes total sense, by the way. You know, you have a regular mailbox, a regular mailbox just sitting there. Anything could be in that mailbox. You know, a letter to your grandmother, uh, 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 coupons, uh, who the hell knows what. It's kind of designed that way. It's not transparent. It doesn't say drop your Christmas gifts off in this box. It could be bills. It could be who junk mail. It could be anything in there. Now, what about putting on the street by itself a box that says place your votes inside? Isn't that inherently stupid? Isn't that inherently open to fraud and abuse? Right? It is. Of course it is. Wisconsin just acknowledged that. What about Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania ruled, I believe in April, that their own law regarding the election, that you could vote in any way you wanted, was unconstitutional. It was illegal. It violated the state's constitution. They are discovering information every day. It is legal, fair, right, and logical to have concerns about the fairness of the 2020 election. Okay, and I know people get very anxious. I choose my words very carefully about that election. And I'll say it again. I have grave concerns about the fairness of the 2020 election. Okay, and I think things have been kept from us. I think the mainstream media didn't even bother. They didn't. Hey, it looks like we're losing an intern. How long was she here? Two weeks? Four? Three? Is she done today? Does she want to come on the radio? This is the one time. What the hell? Has she been on the radio yet? Let's bring her on. It's the one time. All right. All right. All right. I mean, um, was she a good intern? All I ever saw her do was sit down. Yes? Good intern? I don't know. All right. All right. All right. Anyway, uh, give me a moment. I'll check this out. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, so we got approval, and in walks the intern on her last day at WABC. Uh, first off, first things first, and I think this is actually a very good sign for all concerned. What is your name? <laughs> My name is Emily. 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 Well, and you've been here for how long? A little bit over a month. You know, people are hugging you like you've been here for five years. I know. And that's what makes it so great. What made it so great? Quite frankly, all, forgive me, but all I ever saw you do was sit in that chair. It was a lot more than that, actually. Whoa, I hear a little bit of an edge. Well, No, uh, it was. It was hard work. Well, I, what the, oh, okay, would it have killed you to say to me, hey, can I get you anything? Can I, did they tell you to stay the hell away from me? No comment. They don't. Really? I didn't want to bother you. Oh, man. I'm an intern at my desk just typing away. All right, but anyway, number one, hi, hi what's wrong? Oh, your little chaperone just came in. What's wrong with this? We have a chaperone. This is Jacqueline, the newsreader. I guess you have a more, the closer relationship with, hold on a second. Hi. Hi. Emily has done a lot of hard work and come a long way here. She records press conferences. She hears, she has a good ear for sound bites. She can announce the news. She is nobody's handmaiden, sir. Handmaiden? What the hell is that exactly? person who gets you things. Oh, well, every now and then. Yeah. I mean, look. (laughs) All right. Number one, let's talk about the good stuff. And then I will get to my grievances, not with you specifically, but interns in general. I mean, you're doing a lot of work. Where do you go to school? I went to Sacred Heart. I graduated in May. All right. So you graduated in May. What's your next move? 
TV, hopefully, make my way up to the top. I want to start from the bottom as I should, as I have to. Well, that's a very, you know, that's tremendous wisdom right there. If you want to get to the top, it's important, in my opinion, to start at the bottom. Of course. A lot of people want to be installed on TV. They want to, They don't want to do the hard work. They just want a big shortcut. No, I, I need to do the hard work. All right. Why, what do you want to do in television? I want to be a news anchor. I like politics. I'm interested in it. Uh, my brother was a police officer. He started about four years ago. Oh, speaking of which, I understand you had a run-in with a cop today. I did. What happened? I was 10 minutes away, uh, West 30th Street. Yeah. I was in the taxi. I was at a red light. Police officer was walking by. He came up to the car. He told me to roll down my window. I rolled down my window. He goes, I need to see your license. I asked why. He goes, you don't have your seatbelt on. You're over 16. He proceeded to walk to his car. I was sitting there for about 10 to 15 minutes. He came back, handed me my license. He goes, here's your ticket. How much? $140. Uh, so you weren't wearing your seatbelt in the back seat. He may be saving your life. you got to wear that seatbelt. Rightfully so, but... I'm not from the city. Where are you, well, where? I'm from Long Island. Well, did you and did you tell him that? No. You, no, no. No. <laughs> he didn't ask. Did he cop, didn't care. Well, what did the what did the uh, cab driver say? He goes, I didn't know. He goes, I didn't know that that was a law. I said, well, you should probably tell everyone who comes into your car. Yeah. So actually, that doesn't happen again. I must say, I didn't know it was a law, but I happen to do it. There, no, there you go. Well, no, but I do it. I happen to buckle up anyway in the back seat. My defense, though, I was five minutes away from work, and I was at a red light, so I don't know. It was a very weird situation. He came up. He goes, my body cam is not on. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Yeah, what does that have to do with? I don't know. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now, you happen to be very attractive. Do you think uh, that might have had something to do with it? Then why would he give me a ticket? Mm, He's not going to show up to I'm not even going to court. 15 days, you mail it in if you're guilty. But you can also go to court if you're not guilty. It yeah. sounds like this is all part of the record, though, so who knows? <laughs> no. Well, I'm sorry that happened, uh, but I do think you should wear the seat. I know. People think I'm a geek for buckling up in the back seat. Oh, safety first. You got now Jackie here, Jacqueline, like your lawyer. What is going on, Jacqueline? Well, I thought there had to be, what was it? A, um, a primary offense versus a primary offense before offense. they. That's a secondary offense. Don't, doesn't there have to be a primary offense? Hey, for- I need you two to support the cops, okay? I am, They've been through enough. I back the blue 100%. My brother risks his life every single day. I'm surprised you didn't say something. You know what? I was going to tell him that my brother's a police officer. I don't think he cared. He just wanted to give me the ticket. He didn't Are you care. Sure? Let me ask you this. Are you sure it was a police officer? Could have been one of those parking guys. Police officer. I have my ticket in my bag. You could have didn't say I have his ID number. Yep. Traffic and everything no. like that? Hmm. Uh, well, why don't you go see what happens in court? Let's look up the law. I will look up the law. All right. <laughs> um, okay, so how do we get you on TV? What's the next move? What are you going to do? You got a resume ready? I do. You're mailing it out? I am. Email. And can I make a recommendation? Follow up with a regular note, a regular piece of paper note. Because all these emails, you know, you fill out the form right. and it goes off into the ether. You don't really have a sense in this day and age, I hate saying that, I would follow up. Now, it took me a 100 or so resumes all over the country before I got, I think, three callbacks. Okay. Three callbacks. It took a 100, and this is 20 years ago. So um, I like your spirit, though. I think you're, uh, you've are got the right mindset. Thank you. Um, what else? What else? Any questions for me that this is your last day? Uh, anything you'd like to know from me? Um. I like you. I watch you on Newsmax. Yeah. How did you get on TV, Greg? 
Well, I just explained. I made a resume and I sent it all over the country. What? So how long did it take you to? Three months of active trying. Actually, six months, but three of those months I kind of blew off. Okay. You know what I mean? I was taking it easy, doing my thing. And then three months of like, no kidding, pounding the pavement, driving all over the country. Well, driving all over the country. I went on three job interviews. You know what I mean? So, but they were, one was in Alabama, one was in Wisconsin, and one was in upstate New York. And I got the one upstate New York. I made a tape. I made it myself a tape doing the news. And I, you know, just, and it spent, I had to spend some money. Here's, oh, I got to, I got to give you this. A lot of folks are not willing to do what I'm, what I did, which is leave New York City. Their dream is to be in New York City. They can't imagine leaving their girlfriends or boyfriends behind. I had no problem doing that. <laughs> I just maybe that makes them, I'm a cold person or whatever. But I was like, I knew I had to go far away to come back here doing what I wanted to do. And you'll be surprised how few are willing to do that. Especially anecdotally, women are less likely to leave their friends and family than men. Yeah. So that's something to consider. There's no right or wrong answer. There's a million ways to do it. Mine is just one opinion. But thank you. Anyway. Emily, I wish yes. you all the luck in the world, okay? Thank you so much. Thank, thank you for having me. You bet. Thank you. Jacqueline? We loved having her here. Loved having her here. Okay, let's not overdo it. She no. was here for a month. She's been... Four weeks? You don't know how fast she's come along. Uh, yeah. No, I, believe, I believe it. I believe okay. it. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly. Entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, remember Nick Cannon? Nick Cannon was uh, married to Mariah Carey. He was the uh, MC on America's Got Talent, and he likes magic tricks. Always seemed like a cool guy. Now he's totally out of control. Yeah, we all know now that he has like eight. Uh, how many girlfriends and children? And all, you know, he just got so many partners, and he's kind of went a little bit. He's a little bit out of control in terms of uh, procreating. It looks like. He's got this show. I guess he's the is he the new Wendy Williams? He's uh, the, the the Nick Cannon show on Channel Five there at eleven o'clock. Uh, highly sexualized banter. I mean, big time. They're talking about all kinds of stuff that I don't think is that appropriate. Um, and I'm a, I can be, <laughs> but at eleven in the morning, and I think there's something you know if you're talking to millions of people, maybe you don't have to dwell on. You know, cheap issues like, you know, just, you know what I'm talking about. It was just like sex talk and it was, it was way too, uh, way too intimate and not at all helpful. It wasn't, it was just a, you know what I'm saying, y'all? And that kind of stuff. You know, I'm talking downtown. Uh, I found that I miss Wendy. Wendy was tremendous on that show. Um, just a all round great person, great entertainer, great host. Hey. I have a theory about what happened to Joe Biden, actually, along the way. He's been in politics for 50 years. When you're in politics that long, you know, you've got to raise money all the time. And uh, as you move along, the Senate gains seniority, vice presidency. What do you do? All along the way, you're talking to and you're meeting rich people, very rich people. Now, you may be a United States senator. You may be the vice president of the United States. But you're not a billionaire, and you keep meeting all these billionaires. And sometimes they even let you stay at their home. Oh, yes, they love. That's a big status uh, status symbol, having the vice president of the United States or even now the president of the United States stay at your house. So I know some of these dwellings where Joe Biden has spent the night, 
and I will be showing you some of them tonight. Uh, some are in the Hamptons, some are in um, Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket. Uh, they are, well, the homes of billionaires. And I have this feeling that if you are around billionaires long enough and you're a very, you have a big, powerful job, you start to think, you know what? I should have this too. I'm the vice president. I'm the senator. Where's mine? And the greed kicks in. And I think it kicked in with Joe in 1973, right after he walked into the United States Senate. I'm somebody, damn it, and I want more. And this thing could all come crumbling down. I think Chris Christie is right. Pretty soon, Joe Biden is going to have to, have to indicate that he is out of there after um, after one term. He's got to leave. He's got to make that, uh, he's got to signal that. And he may have to leave earlier. Next uh, next year. Hey, that Emily was very nice. All right. Enough, though. Okay? I mean, uh, they're, they're throwing her a parade, hugging, kissing. I mean, do me a favor. Tell me what the deal is. Seriously. I mean, the interns are great, but what else? Right? What? You? Why can't you say anything? What is this? What's wrong? Say something. What do you think about the intern program? I mean, I know they're great, but um, seriously, what do you think about this? I think it's great. I mean, oh, you're so company. Don't you think if you were 22, you'd want to just get the hell? Well, I'll give this to Emily. I'll give a lot. She's fantastic and very smart, and she's got a good head on her shoulders. But, 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 she already graduated from college. If you're in college, say between your sophomore and junior year, the last thing you should be doing is hanging around an office all day long. No? Yes, the whole world. You got the rest of your life to go to some office and take care of some boss. You're 20 years old once. You could go. You know what you could do? You could go to Elizabeth, New Jersey, and you could go to where they have those big ships. And you could knock on the door and you could say, I'd like to take a ship to Europe. And you know what they'll do? They'll put you on the ship. You can do that. You'll never be able to do that again once you have a job and a boss. You'll never be able to do that kind of stuff again. You can go to, you can go to Turkey. You can go to Fiji. You could, you you could go to Thailand and learn the language. You could do anything you want when you're young, pretty much, right? Yeah. I the last thing I wanted to do was hang around some office working for some boss. You know how long I lasted my first internship? Six hours. Six hours. I'm like, I got it. You guys are having a great time here. You get paid. I don't. I'm leaving. I didn't quite say it like that, but I realized I just took it all in. I'm like, I don't want to hang around here just as a hanger on, a hanger on, literally. Now, again, it's different for the ones who've already graduated college like Emily. I mean, she's got to make her way in the world, and this is part of that. And she um, made a tape, and she got something out of it, and she's on her way. I think she's going to do very well. But uh, apart from that, you know, I'm always getting approached by people. Do you think you could get my someone, you know, my cousin an internship? I'm like, why? How old are they? Nineteen. Go to the beach. Become a lifeguard. You know, make some money. Do something. Don't hang around in office with a boss, even though this is a great office. We got windows all over the place. You ever work in an office without windows? That's um, I've I've done that. But anyway, that's how I feel. I could be wrong. Hey. My life is totally different than it was two weeks ago. Um, I don't have Twitter. I don't. I can't tweet. My wife has my password to my Twitter account. 
She does. We had a sit-down conversation, and it was decided that I could no longer be trusted with Twitter because I was tweeting such bizarre, you know, musings. They were I didn't think they were that bizarre, but apparently others did. Clergy, law enforcement, members of the community. So uh, she is running the show right now. I can submit tweets for her consideration, but that's it. I can't grab the phone and just tweet like I used to. And I'll have to say, after the first week was great, the second week I felt so weird. I'm like, something's off. Something's weird. I was actually depressed because I was getting like a jolt, a jolt, a jolt, a jolt, a jolt every time I, I tweeted something. And now I think I'm back to equilibrium, homeostasis, if you will. I'm where I'm supposed to be, and that's great. Other things that are happening right now that are very cool, I have a two-year-old how old is she now? Two years and uh, seven months. No, two years and six months, two and a half. And she's really having conversations. I mean, a lot of them don't make sense, but she is actually having conversations with me. And she's going on a boat with her grandparents. I'm going on the boat with Nana and Papa. And I go on the boat and the boat. It, like that. I can understand that. Uh, what else? We're looking at YouTube videos together. And everything I show her, she learns right away. An eagle! You know, we just ever ever YouTube eagles in flight? Go ahead and do that. If you want to see the beautiful handiwork of God, well, you can look at almost anything, anything, literally, but try looking at an eagle flying in slow motion. And she's mesmerized by that. The other one we're not talking yet. Not that we have a grudge against each other or anything like that, but she's only eight months old. Madeline, baby Madeline, she's still crawling around, although not, well, actually, she's learning how to crawl. And unfortunately, she only knows how to crawl backwards. So if she sees me, she wants to come to me, but she actually crawls in the opposite direction. Not because I I just, she hasn't learned how to crawl forward yet. Um, Hey, enough with Mike Pence and all of his crap. All right, I am so sick of hearing what a hero this guy is or was. And how close he came to being massacred. His own chief of staff is saying uh, Mike Pence was almost massacred that day. Massacred. This makes no sense. This is, and somehow we're supposed to believe these swamp characters, these people you never heard of, like Mark Short, like Matthew Pottinger, like Kathy Matthews, like Cassidy Hutchinson, these nobodies, like they're special because they work on Capitol Hill. Listen to, um, what did she say? Oh, wait, by the way, they're not that special. Did you know some of these people take over congressional offices? But when they do it in support of um, fighting climate change, they're heroes. Listen to this. They shut down Chuck Schumer's office. Cut five. Solidarity forever? Doesn't that sound kind of communist and weird? Um, although then again, solidarity, wasn't that the name of the Polish? That was the name of the Polish counter-communist group, Lech Walesa. All right, so maybe it's not communist, but whatever it is, it's weird. Employees shutting down their own offices. I hope they get fired, every single one of them. Man, not enough people are getting the axe, actually, lately. It's funny, you get a job, and somehow it's impossible to fire you. Even if your performance is terrible, 
especially if it's true, you can look it up, you're a protected class. And what is a protected class? Well, any woman is protected. Uh, anyone who happens to be black or Asian or Hispanic is automatically protected. You know who's not protected? White men, for some reason. And I think, actually, if you happen to be gay and you're a white man, you're, you're not protected either. So uh, it's almost like everybody's protected except white men. Hey, wait a second. No, I'm not going to do this. Hey, Glenn from Edison, New Jersey, why the hell should I pay her ticket? Hi, Glenn. What's going on? Rush Limbaugh would have paid it. Well, I mean, she's, she's like a Uyghur. She works for free. She's working her butt off. Number one, calm down. She's not working for free. We pay her here. Number two, uh, I think she should fight it. I, I think she should actually fight it. She should plead not guilty. She should research the law. And I'm not just going to go ahead and pay, pay, pay it. No, I'm not. The re- real reason I called, the definition of insanity is uh, losing an election, know that, knowing that they cheated, and expend, expecting to win the next election in 2022. I know what you mean. Actually, I know what you mean. It's a it's a very uncomfortable thought, and I wonder about that myself because, you know, let's face it, I mean, some states have gotten serious, but a lot of states are not getting serious, and they're going in the opposite direction. So I am worried, and I do believe that if Trump is the nominee, they'll have some sort of, you know, they'll give themselves permission to potentially, this is just a theory, I'm not speaking for the station or anybody else, but I think they'll feel entitled to steal the damn thing all over again. You know, that's what I'm, you're right. That's a fair, that's a really valid point. What the hell are we going to do about that? I don't know, Glenn. Neither do you. uh, Tina Peters made a copy of the hard drive, and then they sent Dominican voting uh, representatives in there. They wiped everything out, but she had to. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. And I I really, from a technical standpoint, I have no idea. The issue that I like to focus on most is Pennsylvania, because I can understand that. They violated their own state's constitution, and they used COVID as an excuse. But millions of votes were actually illegal votes because they violated the state constitution. Rudy Giuliani is an expert in this stuff. And, of course, they try to mock him. They try to cancel him. Uh, that's how you know he's onto something. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, Marianne is in Philadelphia. Yes. Hi, Greg. How you doing? Terrific. What's going on? Uh, listen, I, first I want to tell you, it's a, it's a joy seeing your, your babies on TV. They're so beautiful. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, I know. I should give them a little cameo tonight. They haven't been on in a while. Keep going. Okay. Your oldest daughter, you better make sure you have good sneakers for her. She's going to take off, I think. She looks like real serious and very smart. Oh, wow. Well, uh, she is, she's, uh, she is smart and she is pretty serious, but she also laughs a lot too. Uh, great kid. What else? Okay. Uh, all right. I have a couple things to tell you. One, January the 4th, when Mike Pence gave his speech, as he was saying, uh, as he was saying uh, voter integrity, he paused just for a second and bit his lip, and he appeared very stiff and, ins- and insecure, you know, insincere, I mean. 
and he showed no emotion. Well, so, let's face it. Isn't Mike Pence like that all the time? I know that some of you have concerns about the November election. And believe me, we'll all have our day in Congress on Wednesday. Remember that? There was something. That's the way he is. That's his manner. Marianne, I want you to make your other point, but do me a favor. Stick around. i got to take a quick break. I'll be back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, if the mayor is available, I'd love to chat with him if there's any way. We had him on the Newsmax show. He was absolutely uh, awesome last night. A lot of a lot of folks uh, reached out. Uh, the Newsmax show, 10 p.m., Monday through Friday. And uh, I'm very, very proud of it. We're doing things that no one else in all of media, especially even conservative media, uh, no one's doing what we're doing. And I'm very proud of it. It's working. And, um, hey, just remember this. These uh, these Capitol cops, they have uh, – they're drunk with fame and power. They really are. This is my least favorite of the bunch, Officer Gunnell. Remember, he's a security guard on Capitol Hill. He's supposed to protect the members of Congress. And here's what he's saying about members of Congress. Cut 54. You got people right now in front of the Justice Department asking to release some of the very same people to be released, even though we are testifying about the trauma and the agony and everything that happened to us. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. And they should not be members of Congress anymore. He said they shouldn't be. They should quit. Well, the other night, I see him. He's sitting between two women holding their hands. And that's fine for moral support. But his thumbs are, he's rubbing their hands. It's very, very strange. Like a lot with the thumbs. I don't know. Cheap thrills, something weird. Marianne is in Philadelphia. Hello. Continue. How are you? Welcome back. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I thought that thumb rubbing was creepy myself. You saw that? Yeah, it was weird, right? It was creepy. I, w- I would have said, oh, and, and shook, his, shook him off of me. All right, Marianne, listen, i got to say goodbye in a moment. Make one more point, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to turn right. things over to somebody all right. else. I think, all right, I think Pence knew he wasn't going to send the states back in question on the 4th because, like I said, when he hesitated and he bit his lip, that to me, was a giveaway. Absolutely. Your body well, your body, uh, well, what he said was also, he said, he said, we'll have our day in Congress on the 6th. And I took that to mean pretty much it ain't leaving. We'll talk about it on the 6th, but that's it. We're not going to bring the state capitals into it. And under the law, under the Electoral Count Act of 1887, we believe he had more discretion. Marianne, thank you. I'd like to bring in an expert on this and a million other topics Former mayor of the city of New York and guest on Newsmax last night at 10 o'clock, Mayor Giuliani. Welcome back, sir. Great to be back. You ready to anchor your show in seven minutes? I'm very very nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, can you just the Pence did have legally discretion. Didn't he explain what he could have done? That's a perfect word, discretion. There is no law preventing it, and there's no law saying he had to do it. So he had discretion. By that I mean, first of all, they fog it up by saying he was being asked to decertify and give the election to Trump and take it away from him. He was not asked that at all. He was asked by four legislatures to return the electoral votes to them. 
because they they had various different degrees of uncertainty about the count. But the basic thing was they were afraid that the count they gave was a false statement. In two cases, they were absolutely sure of it. They're absolutely sure that the num the number was wrong. And the other two, they were basically sure of it. And they provided him with, for example, the biggest one was Georgia. Senator William Ligon from Georgia had conducted three days of hearings, probably 40 hours of hearings, real hearings where they cross-examined. And he had come up with four different problems. Problems. No, this, but back to Pence. Pence had the discretion we've established. Now he's going around saying, like, you know, Donald Trump wanted me to overturn the election, and nothing could be more un-American than that. What do you make of how he characterizes it now? What he's saying now about what, you know. Well, I mean, the kindest thing I can say is he's not telling the truth, nor is the committee. I mean, the, from the minute the committee started in with, he wanted, uh, he wanted uh, Pence to decertify the election and certify him. They were lying. As they, as they lied about every this committee lied about everything else, Russian collusion, Russian agents. I mean, these are professional liars. What is it about? I mean, we love Trump, and I think I asked you this last night. He just gets under their skin like nobody else. What is it about him? He doesn't accept it. He doesn't bow to them. Pence bowed to them. Hmm. You know, I think that I think some we're going to find eventually historically that some of this problem in the uh, in in the Capitol had to do with wanting to keep Pence on board and make sure he didn't he didn't fold to to Trump. Uh, because I think they were worried about Pence. No, no one – let's face it. Let's go before before this happened. Nobody knew how strong Pence was. I mean, how, was he a strong guy or not? He never had to make a really tough decision. There's something about him that gives you a sense of softness. Um, nobody I, – I don't think the Trump side or the Democrat side knew. So the Democrats were probably worried. The Democrats were probably worried that he would cave. Now, remember – their leading scholar, Lawrence Tribe, agreed agreed with the professor. Agreed with Which, the professor. What, what, Professor Eastman? Yes. He did? He, he wrote the article, and, but he, he wrote it back during the Bush-Gore thing. I got I to check that out. That's yeah, fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so let me run this by you. I always thought, or actually not always, I realized recently, those protesters, I believe, we know were led inside. We've seen examples yes. of that. They were led inside. They wanted the count. They didn't want to stop the count, the electoral count. That wasn't the Democrats' objective. They wanted to stop the objections. They wanted to rush it. They, well, they wanted, well, remember yeah. the objections that were taking place? Yeah, they I mean, wanted to Two hours. Each one of them would be two hours. They wanted to stop those. They had to stop those because they had the potential, who knows what, where they could have gone. And, uh, yeah, 100% right, Greg. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, is I, I, I mean, I, that, that's what I was concentrated on. People, people wonder, you know, how come you didn't know what was going on? I was concentrated on those. I mean, if, if you if you had played that out, that was about 14 to 15 hours of debate they had ahead of them, bare minimum. All you needed, and this is one of the things they argue about the act being a little crazy, you just need one objection in either house. One objection. One guy gets up, one woman gets up and says, I object to that vote in the House. One says in the Senate, they separate, they go into separate chambers, they spend two hours debating, and then they come back and vote. So suppose you do that ten times. And there were probably about 25 potential ones that were that were up for grabs. They could have been doing that two, three days, at least a day. Mm -hmm. And who knows what could happen during that period. At the very last minute, a lot of the state legislatures that had been nervous about this had discovered additional evidence. And like the Pennsylvania letter came in on that Sunday. That was only four days before. 
So the legislature is beginning to discover more evidence. Mr. Mayor, I got to say goodbye to you. <laughs> uh, but to be continued with the mayor in charge. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Oh, I'll see Great you tonight. Show. Thank you, sir. Uh, Newsmax tonight at 10. You never know when you'll see Rudy on it. Mayor Julian. Don't Giuliani. miss it. Great show. <laughs> Thank you, sir. See you guys later. All the best.